Well, the one thing uh, we dread in our life is being out of work. <laughs> uh, so today, the uh, thing, what we're going to speak about is putting the devil out of work. <laughs> well, how can we do that? Well, it's kind of simple. Uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Do not give the devil an opportunity to work. Don't give an opportunity. And the NIV says, And do not give the devil a foothold. Now, uh, sometimes it's uh, a foothold, toehold. You know, I, I was thinking of um, David Michael and his uh, rock climbing. And um, he has been, you know, like up on the, on the face of Yosemite. And there is a place going up the side of this mountain, almost a, a mile up, that they run out of cracks in which to put in a, a piece of protection that clamps down. And so what they come up against is about a quarter inch of a lip. Now you're a mile in the air <laughs> and you have a quarter of inch of a lip to hold on to and so they take these little uh, L-shaped devices and clip them there which have stirrups on the bottom and then if you put those in place and then you put your foot in there and you push yourself up the side of the mountain and take the one off of your left side and the other side and you find another little clip and then you push yourself up <laughs> I don't want to go there. <laughs> so giving a toehold or a foothold is, is uh, sometimes we think, well, that's just too minimal. But, you know, for an expert, and people do climb these things, other than foolish people that we may know, there are, there are people who climb these, these areas, and they do them, and they look for those little holds. Well, in our life, what are the little holds that we may be giving the enemy of our soul uh, an opportunity to get a foothold, to give him an opportunity to do the work? Well, we find then that God is at work in our lives and we are responsible then for the decisions that we make. We're responsible for how that we choose to follow him. And James chapter 4 says, Submit yourselves unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So we have this understanding then that God wants us to submit, not to the enemy of our soul, but we are to submit ourselves to God and that we are to resist. <laughs> um, resist. Let me see, I have that written down here somewhere. Um, resist is to exert force in, uh, in an opposite direction. So whenever we find ourselves that we are confronted with the enemy of our soul, we are to resist which is a, you know, it's like, a, what is, you have force, there's a, re a reaction, there's a force and an action. Wherever there's an action, there's a reaction, all right? So we find this whenever there is the enemy of our soul that uh, kind of comes after us, there's a response to that. And so that we're re resisting him, and so we are, we are exerting in an opposite direction. We are resisting. And, and what will he do? He will flee. Now, flee means to run away, often from danger, or to hurry to a place of security. Huh, imagine, the devil is running from, from the opposition and running to a place of security. Now, God is telling us that you are to resist the enemy of our soul so that he will flee from you. Wow, you know? It's like the little cartoon that has the, the, the lion attacking the little 
a little bear or something, and uh, the, the lion's crouching up on the bear and the little cub, and the little cub's backing up, and then finally the little cub musters up uh, some energy and stands up to the bear, stands up to the lion, and the lion stops <laughs> and looks and begins to back up, and the little cub thinks, wow, I'm pretty powerful. <laughs> and then behind the cub is the mother <laughs> standing up, you know, well, in, for us, it's that person, the person is Jesus Christ, who is not only in front of us or behind us, he is inside of us. And I like the story where the, the guy had the, the dream, and uh, on this dream, he was on the stage, and the devil was on the other side of the stage, and he was on the opposite. So he's standing there, and he's frozen in fear uh, at, the, at, at Satan being there. And, you know, he feels like he's being overcome and overtaken, then all of a sudden... Jesus steps between them. Oh, what a relief. Jesus is be in front of us. And then Jesus keeps backing up. <laughs> and it's like the guy says, oh, no, Jesus, you know, don't back up any further. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes inside of him. And when Christ comes inside of him, he finds the power to face the enemy and points, and he has to flee. So these are the things in which God is telling us that we are to resist, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so we have this opportunity to recognize who we are in Christ and what Christ has, has done for us. Now, the foothold that many people have in living less than what God desires of us is that we live in fear. We allow fear to creep into our lives, and fear is the greatest weapon the enemy uses to try to hold us in a place where we're not going to be effective. We fear something. We fear being wrong. We fear making a decision. We fear criticism. You know, we fear that, uh, what if I fail? What if I do it wrong? What if somebody doesn't like it? I mean, we have all these fear things that go on inside of us, and, 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 and we are looking at this, and they're not God that is telling us that we should be afraid. But um, we, we should have, would have, could have. Doubt God is, God's ability to step in. You know, we, we doubt God's ability to step in and to help us out in that, in that situation. So when you fear where you are going, uh, how you can trust where you're going, what the decisions that you've made. So fear is this, what is it? It is a false evidence appearing real. It is this immobilizer. It is that which uh, we use to block us, paralyze our lives. So a fear of doing something, the fear of being wrong. So it isn't God who gives us this fear. The Bible says that perfect love drives out, casts out fear. It, it, you know, love doesn't live in fear. So when God is telling us that we are to look at our life and that we are to act upon the word, he is wanting that word to come alive in us so that we do not fear. We do not fear what life can bring. What does tomorrow bring? Don't know, but we're safe today. We're safe into eternity, so... Let's be safe where we're at and then act in faith towards God to allow his word to be part of our lives and we are not going to allow fear to be part of our, our demise. The good news is that God is greater than our fear. Greater is he that is in me. Did you ever stop and think that God is for me? He is for you. All right, just 
Pause for a minute. God is for me. Okay? He's for me. He's not against me. God is for you. And whenever we doubt, that's the, the next section is self-doubt. And whenever we, when we, whenever we doubt, we are, we are almost paralyzing the, the faith that we have. We're, we're questioning whether it's the right decision. We're questioning whether or not God is there. And what it is doing is that we are sabotaging our faith and allowing it to be canceled out by our fears. So in order to walk in his power, you have to close the door to the enemy. <laughs> so what we're doing is we're slamming the door in the face of the enemy. We're slamming the door in the face of the enemy of our soul. What is the greatest fear that the enemy of our soul has? That you're going to learn to live without fear. <laughs> you see, the devil knows more about God than you do. The demons know more about God than we do. The demons believe. They've seen God. They've seen his power. They know the power of God to kick him out of heaven. They know the power of God to raise Christ from the dead. They know that power. They know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us and it paralyzes them. So they try to convince us to live in the fear that they have rather than in the faith that God has in us. Because if God were not for us, we wouldn't have a prayer. <laughs> That's a little joke. You know, we wouldn't have a prayer. So we, would have, we, have, we have the ability to pray, and our prayers then are able to overcome the, the difficulties and the, and the, and the uh, paralyzing fears that come across us. So we resist the devil. <laughs> we resist. And how do we resist? Well, we, we quote the Word of God. <laughs> we quote the Scriptures. Uh, I don't know, I, I was thinking of this, I, I compiled this a couple of years ago. And, and, and the, you know, God, you said, you know, whenever the devil reminds us of our sins, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So if we confess, Christ has forgiven. So that means we do not live, we do not live in fear of what was. The failures of our life, the mistakes that we've made, all the, the, the garbage that we look back on and remember, well, <laughs> it's not there because it's gone. The psalm says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as our sins been removed from us. So God says, it's gone. It's no, you know, no need to look for it, so don't remember it. Don't go back there. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy household. So we pray, we pray for our families, and we pray for our, our extended families. We, so God is going to not only save us and keep us safe, he's going to keep our families safe because his word declares us. Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You see, there is a fear sometimes that we give for the wrong perspective or the wrong attitude, or we give with an open heart. And God is a rewarder of those that give because we're sowing seed. You sow the seed, God, re God causes the increase. We reap a harvest. Um, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. So God, so whenever we're looking at, you know, if we start grumbling and complaining about where we're at, and we spoke about this in Sunday school, forgot about it a couple of times, but that uh, whenever we're grumbling and complaining about, uh, you know, 
I don't like where I'm at. Uh, I, I, I feel that God cheated me. He gave to somebody else and didn't give to me. And so what we're doing is we're comparing and that we should have done it this way, we should have done it that way, we would have been better. And what we're doing is we're telling God, can you imagine God walking up with God and saying, God, you know, you made a mistake with me. <laughs> and he's saying, what? They say, you know, you made a mistake. Look at this. <laughs> and God is saying, yeah, I'm looking at what I made. And I'm not unhappy with it. <laughs> I'm not displeased with it. I loved you enough that if you were the only one, I would have died for you. So God loves us to the point that is greater than who we are, and we are sabotaging that by fear that we are not as good as someone else. We get into that comparison. And God doesn't compare us. God is, dis God is dispensing, as it were, his gifts unto us, that God is willing to, to bless us. <laughs> I, got, I got the church checkbook. That's how good money sticks to my hands. <laughs> I had the church checkbook. <laughs> But um, anyhow, it takes two signatures to cash a check for the church. And um, you see, God has given us his account. It takes two signatures. God has already signed the check. Now, if God has already signed the check, that means I'm the co-signer of the check with God. And my fear is, if I write this check, will God be unhappy with me? Because I'm not as good as I should be? Okay, how does that figure into God's love for you and his plan for you? <laughs> not good enough. Steps of a righteous person ordered by the Lord. God has been directing our path. We've been praying and asking God to direct us. And so here we are in this place and time, and what do we do? We're complaining about where we're at at this place and time. <laughs> you know, and, and, but we see we're not to complain and everything give thanks because this is God's will for my life. I'm exactly where I need to be doing exactly what I need to do because I have desire to please God and I have desire to serve him and I've made mistakes, but God hasn't used those mistakes against me. He cannot allow... <laughs> God has the ability to turn my mistakes into my blessings. So if God has the ability to turn my mistakes into my blessings, then I am at this moment going to write the check. <laughs> I like the idea of the recalculating, that no matter where we're at on our life journey, at that moment we can start and turn our life to God and he will recalculate the direction to end up exactly where he wanted us to. If that doesn't give us a license to go live like we want and someday God will, you know, recalculate and get me to heaven, that's not the, the, the point. The emphasis is that God is looking at how that he can bless our lives in such a way that it can be the best benefit for the people around us and the people that we serve. We have a purpose, and the purpose is to write the check because you cannot overdraft God's account. You cannot overdraft what God has given to you. It's like if you had a loan at the bank, 
and I was a co-signer. <laughs> and you can't pay, and then I go and pay it for you. I'm not doing that, so don't get any ideas. But I was just, you know, you know. Uh, so we want to put the devil out of work by making him go bankrupt because we're riding on the, on, on the, the bank of heaven and we are withdrawing from the bank of heaven into our lives and the, and the enemy of our soul wants to stop that. So how is it that Satan can stop God? He can get us to doubt who we are. He can get us to doubt his purpose for who we are. We can doubt where we're at as if somehow I had blown it to the point that God can never take me where I need to be. So that's why we have to be careful about what we watch, what we listen to, what we read, what we say. That when we open ourselves to fear, we give the enemy an opportunity. Fear that we are not good enough. <laughs> but you see, we are justified before God. We stand with him in perfect righteousness. <laughs> All right, now, that's, that's going too far, isn't it? <laughs> We're standing before God in perfect righteousness. Well, you see, the righteous one, the Lord Jesus Christ, has imputed to us his righteousness. Imputed. It's one of those words that, you know, well, the legal term is to ascribe or charge a person with an act or quality because of the conduct of another. Did you ever follow your brother or sister in school? <laughs> and the teacher says, I know you. I had your brother. <laughs> and he was not one of my favorite students. <laughs> no teacher's ever done that, I'm sure. Okay. So what are they doing? They are, they are imputing to the younger, innocent, more perfect child, <laughs> the qualities that belong to my older brother. <laughs> and they, you know, but the idea is I, I, am, I am getting something from someone that I didn't earn. <laughs> I am getting something from the teacher who doesn't know me but only knows my brother. So whenever we are thinking about God and we are looking at the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, the devil knows what the righteousness of Christ is and we are receiving that righteousness into our life and the enemy of our soul is terrified that we're going to believe it. That we're actually going to believe that God is going to give to me his righteousness that I have a right relationship with God, that I can draw on the bank of heaven and I can be blessed beyond measure to take on life to its greatest extent. Wow. <laughs> That's imputed. The imputed, the righteousness of God. The, you know, the theology is to attribute righteousness <laughs> or guilt to a person or persons vicariously. So imputed means to give in, 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 uh, in a vicarious situation, that I wasn't there, but in proxy or in whatever, I receive it. So in Christ, in Christ's righteousness, and his righteousness alone, I stand. So if we're looking for perfection, we're not going to find it, except in Christ. 
And Christ doesn't look for, for, for us to be perfect, to be receivers. He looks for us to be open that we might be receivers. You see, and fear then will cause us to say, <laughs> well, if I take this, if I sign the dotted line here, then I'm going to owe God something, you know. I'll have to clean up my life, or I'll have to do this, or I'll have to go to China and be a missionary, and, you know, it's not what I want to do. And God's saying it has nothing to do with that. Write the check. <laughs> Write the check. Well, so the first one is fear. The second one, well, as we, as we look at this, Colossians 1, 27 and 28 says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which, Christ, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What God wants to make known is the riches of Jesus Christ that is in you. He wants to make that known to other people. And so how does God make it known through other people? He makes it known through our lives. And if, you know, if, if we are, you know, like, you know, the, we sing the joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength, you know, but we haven't notified our face or our demeanor that it's there. So the idea is that God's joy is in our life, that God's power is in our life, God's presence is in our life. And so whenever we speak, whenever we sing, whenever we talk, we, we, it is, it, there's a different flavor about what we say. There's a different attitude about what we present. There's a different atmosphere about which that surrounds us. And that is the presence of God going before us, and this is the riches of the mystery which is Christ in you. It is the mystery that Christ is in us. How did he get here? Well, I ask him. <laughs> I ask him, well, what did you do to get it? Uh, I ask him. <laughs> um, well, how, how can you believe that this is going to happen? Well, he gave me the checkbook. <laughs> he just said sign. You know, it's like, it's so simple, but yet we live in fear. And then, of course, we go into, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Hmm. Fearfully is terribly, dreadful, in a manner to impress terror. <laughs> Fearfully, I'm going to impress with terror. You know, I want you to be afraid of God. He's going to destroy you. <laughs> no, that's not the fear. Fearfully and wonderfully made is the devil himself shakes at the image of Christ in us. I am fearfully and wonderfully made is that the devil himself is, is afraid because he's going to go and find a place to be, uh, to be safe <laughs> because the righteousness of Christ has been imputed to me and that righteousness just burns the feet of the enemy. <laughs> it, it sears the fires of hell, as it were, and pushes it aside because it isn't that people are afraid of Christ. It's the devil is afraid of Christ. I am fearfully and wonderfully made that the enemy of my soul is afraid of the image of Christ in me. So now I have boldness and confidence that Christ in me is the hope, the hope, the understanding that eternal life is mine and that I am made in the image of God and in his likeness he created us. 
He breathed into us the breath of life that we became a living soul. And this living soul is where God dwells within us and Christ is in me and I'm not perfect. If you're looking for perfection, you won't find it here. (laughs) But you won't find it in any of us or anyone. The perfect one is Christ. And we are in the process of becoming like him. And when the day comes that we go home to heaven, we'll be perfect. Until then, you got to deal with the flaws. <laughs> we don't go looking for them. They just kind of pop up, <laughs> you know. They just kind of show up whenever we have those imperfections. But I will praise him. <laughs> I, am, I will praise him for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I was made. I was made. I was created. You see, I I like that story that I came through my mother. I came from God. (laughs) I came through my mother, but I came from God. Because before the world was ever created, God knew me. God had a plan for my life. Here I am in the midst of my life. If I'm doubting where I'm at, then I am doubting the one who created me, put me in my mother's womb, and caused the steps of my life to be where I'm at. So therefore, I either believe that God has brought me here to this place and time for a purpose, or I'm in the wrong place and I don't know how to get there. And the only person who can fix it is God, but I'm believing that he brought me here. (laughs) So which one is it? Which one is it? Did I make that many mistakes (laughs) that God just lost track? No. (laughs) Because the eye of the Lord has always been upon us. We are his favorite person. (laughs) But so are you. I am God's favorite person. But so are you. You say that same thing. I am God's favorite. I am God's favorite. I am God's favorite person because he loves me. So I don't compare myself to anyone else. (laughs) I don't compare. (laughs) I don't compare. And I don't compare. (laughs) I don't become envious. No, I'm saying that's what we're supposed to do. (laughs) It doesn't mean that, you know. But uh, when Jesus spoke to the blind man in Mark chapter 10, he says, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied without hesitation, I want to see. So I ask ourselves the question. Jesus walks up to us and he says, what do you want me to do? What is our response? You see, the blind man didn't say, well, have I done enough? Am I worthy to receive this miracle? (laughs) Um, Jesus didn't say, well, if I do this for you, what are you going to do for me in return? Jesus simply told the blind man, go your way, your faith has healed you. So what is it that you want Jesus to do? What is it? Here's the checkbook. (laughs) What is it that you want him to do? Is Is it something that can be written out of a book? Is it something that can be drawn from an account? Is it something that needs to fall from the heavens? Is it something that needs to be created inside of us and spoken and done? What is it that you want me to do? 
And God is challenging us with that so that we don't live in fear, because that's not God. We don't have self-doubt, because that's not God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made is that I have the image of God inside of me. I have the image of God perforated, you know, blasting through every aspect of my being. Because God is in me, so around me is the hedge of God's protection. In me is the thoughts of God, the the scriptures of God, the word of God that is bringing life to my life and to the things around me. Inside of me is this creativity that is God speaking in me to bring bring out into being what he wants done. And so we have all of this going on inside, and here is God in me. And David, what do you want me to do? (laughs) What do you want me to do? Jesus is asking us that. (laughs) You see... It's only the beginning. (laughs) This is only the beginning. What God is asking us and coming into our life, we're only at the beginning. Well, you know, David, you're about that old, you moved to a retirement village, you know, you're almost out of it, you know. (laughs) And God is saying, no, 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 it's, it's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. (laughs) It's only the beginning. What do you want me to do? Because this is the moment creativity begins. This is the moment the creativity comes alive because it's just the beginning. In the beginning, God created. And do you know what he did? He said it was good. Wait, you know, you just, you 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 know, but you just put the, you know, the earth is a mess. It's just, you know, it's just, it's just a mess of stuff. And God says it's good. Then he separates the earth and the water and all. He says it's good. Then he does the vegetation and the animals. It's good. God is never upset with where we're at. He looks at us and he says, you know what? It's good. It's good. You're, you know, it's good. Because this is just the beginning. And where he wants to take us, only he knows. But you know what? I'm not going to have fear. I'm not going to have self-doubt. I'm going to believe that everything is possible. And that God will direct my steps. And that I will be the person he wants me to be. Right here and now. And all of this power of God and this presence of God and this will of God and the purpose of God and the thoughts of God, the word of God, all that is going to be my hedge about me and I'm going to move in his presence and I'm going to smile and I'm going to forgive and I'm going to give life and I'm going to give love because I am never short of funds. (laughs) I'm never short of funds. He's always living through me. Amen? Let's stand. (laughs) So, what are we going to repeat today? It's only the beginning. (laughs) Can you say that? It's only the beginning. You ready? It's only the beginning. Amen. It's only the beginning. We're just beginning. 
Well, we've been on, no, it's just beginning. Today is a new day. I will, I will, I will lift up the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am a, well able to do, God is telling us, I'm well able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can even ask or imagine. It's only the beginning. <laughs> Father, we thank you. God, if we have sinned, forgive us. God, if we have envied, help us to trust you that you have not made a mistake with where we're at. And because you've blessed others, Lord, you'll continue to bless us. We do not envy. God, we know that you will make straight our path and that, God, you have given us an opportunity to recognize your just beginning. Thank you, God, for this day, and thank you for your word. God, hold us close to you. Heal our hearts. Give us strength. Lord, thank you for loving us more than we'll ever imagine. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. No, it's only the beginning. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>